I'm super happy. Are you happy? Welcome to the BU Find Happy Podcast. Here you'll find tips and tricks to inspire you on your way to happiness, to live a courageous life of authenticity, and learn how to speak your truth with grace. I'm Michaela Johnson, and welcome to our podcast. Thank you for tuning into this podcast. If you are new here, you will find all things fun, hippie, woo-woo, and metaphysical, plus happiness. I just can't tell you enough how much I appreciate you tuning into the show every week, and I try to bring you the most fabulous guests imaginable. If you are craving more happiness after listening to this podcast, check out BUFindHappy.com, where you'll find all sorts of tangible tools, tips, tricks, and resources to incorporate more happiness in your life. Learn to speak your truth with grace and live a courageous life of authenticity. And remember, if you like this podcast, please click subscribe. To the BU Find Happy podcast, I'm really excited to chat with you today. I'm happy to be here too. So I I had a chance to look over your profile, of course, as I was preparing for our uh, few few minutes together today, and. I I was like kind of chuckling because it could read like mine. Um, I, I love that you've been a psychotherapist for over a decade. That's just really cool. Um, and then it looks like you kind of made this transition into being a, a mindset coach. And I am making the same transition. I'm kind of stepping away from the uh, binds of insurance billing and all of that stuff to to really serve my clients better. So I'm just really curious to learn a little bit more about you and how you got into that. So if you could share with the listeners who you are and how you got here would be great. Sure thing. Um, yeah. So the the funny part is I had a whole nother chapter before I became a psychotherapist, which was I was an attorney um, first at a big law firm in Boston. And then when I moved to Vermont at a smaller Vermont firm. Um, and so my first big change was when I stopped practicing law and I was actually a partner in the law firm um, when I stopped practicing and switched to be a psychotherapist. And so that was definitely a big sea change in my life and um, something I've never regretted, but it certainly was a, a process of change there. And so now this change from being a psychotherapist into more coaching really flowed really naturally for me because um, I've always been interested in what now they call positive psychology, but it's all the, the psychology um, and the studies around what makes humans thrive, right? What is What are the conditions for optimal human experience and performance and well-being? Um, and so in the last, oh, I'd say about six years or so, I got a certification in positive psychology, and then I, I went ahead and took a coaching um, certification course because I thought there must there must be something different about coaching than being in therapy that I should learn. And in, in fact, there is, um, which is kind of nice to actually know there is a difference. Um, and then the idea that we all, you know, certainly can use therapy from time to time um, when we are trying to kind of go from not really functioning how we want to to functioning smoothly. And all of us also have areas of our life where we are functioning smoothly, but we'd like to perform better. 
better, right? Or we'd like to just improve. And so the positive psychology and the coaching work I do is both around um, change and being better, but also around change through kind of deeper levels of transformation. So uh, instead of, you know, I don't know about you and your clients, but so many of my clients when I was in the psychotherapy practice are really struggling, you know, sometimes to even get out of bed and take a shower when they're depressed. And that's all part of human experience. And then once that gets resolved, the, the cool thing is now we have tools to help them even be better in their normal daily life, right? So that, that's what I love about my coaching work. way to look at things. I mean, I think really the positive psychology is while a new term, an old concept, I think that our, um, you know, our, our life has kind of turned into this process of identifying what's wrong, what's not going well in our world, rather than looking at all of the things that are going well, that are going right. And then acknowledging that sometimes when things aren't going well, it's probably an opportunity for growth. What are your thoughts on that? Oh, absolutely. Um, you know, I know that the studies that they've done on things like gratitude have just been these evidence-based studies that have shown that daily practice of gratitude actually, it, you know, can make a measurable difference in people's lives from a, their sense of well-being. And who would have thought, right, that just three, I think the study is that three, thinking of three things you're grateful for each day before bed had a really statistically significant effect on people's well sense of well-being. Um, and um, what I think you we all know from the field of psychology, we call post-traumatic growth. But what, what I think of it from, you know, human, the side of being human is that when we go through difficult things that are really challenging for us, um, it forces us to grow in ways that we probably wouldn't have chosen. Um, and I can think of a few things in my life, um, you know, where both my, my children were born and each had their own um, almost dying events. And so my negotiating and navigating their health, which now they're wonderfully healthy young adults, but that significantly changed the whole trajectory of my life because of the hardship of it. And then the way the hardship made me change and made me think and made me kind of more clearly define what my purpose was in life and what I thought what gave my life a sense of meaning and purpose. So I think traumatic events, once we heal from them, and you do have to take the time, as you know, as a clinician, to you know, process traumatic events. But once you've processed it, it, they really can help launch you into an even higher stratosphere um, and, and a le level of life that you probably wouldn't have even imagined before. I agree. I do think that we do need to take the time to heal. Um, and then it, it kind of becomes this danger zone of dwelling, right? So we have to find that spot between um, taking time to heal and being stuck in it. And I think, um, and I think that's where the positive psychology component can really help out. So, so share with me a little bit about how you work with your clients and, and what you encourage them to do if they're kind of stuck in these negative mindsets. Right. Well, I love to, um, work with, uh, the idea that, um, we have, I think the statistics are 95% of our decisions and actions are controlled by our subconscious. 
Um, and of course, as you know, the so much of our wiring, if you think of it, our kind of our operating systems are made when we're young. We're in the zero to six age range where all of our belief systems start to get hardwired into place. And then we live our lives and we become adults. And a lot of the time, our belief system that we formed through the family we were raised in or the culture we were raised in has really formed, we could call it a box that we we don't even see that we're stuck in and that the belief system that we're operating in may be really limiting us and not letting us actually live our, to our fullest potential or live our best life. And so th- some of the work I do in addition to all of the positive psychology interventions that are out there are also really looking at limiting beliefs and starting to deconstruct them and give a a way to reprogram them that helps free people to move forward to another level um, that they may not even have realized was possible. And just, you know, personally, I remember switching from being practicing law into psychology, and I actually didn't think that was possible. My limiting belief was once you go to law school and start practicing law for over a decade, you stick with it, right? That was my limiting belief. And um, I really didn't, I knew I wanted to do something different, but I just figured it had to be in the law. Like, of course it did. And it wasn't until I went to my own coach who helped me go through all of my values and my you know, my whole, do a whole kind of holistic inventory of what was important to me and what my strengths were, where the suggestion that I go back to grad school sounded like the best idea ever in the world and something I never would have permitted myself to even think about because it was such a luxury to me to think, oh, I get to go back and be a grad student. How great would that be? And it turned out to be that once I could get over that hump of that limiting belief that because I was trained as a lawyer, I had to stay a lawyer. It opened up this entire new world um, of giving back and serving to people. And, uh, and But I needed that other person's perspective to help me identify that limiting belief that was holding me back from something that I really well suited for and really love. Um, and I would never have given myself permission otherwise. Mm, that's really beautiful, isn't it? Um, giving yourself permission. I like that. And I think that we do get into these kind of patterns of thought where we say, I'm not allowed to, or I shouldn't, or I couldn't. And I think a lot of that is based upon other people's um, ideas and perceptions of what we should be doing. How often do you think that what everyone else wants us to be doing is kind of playing into all of this? Well, I think it plays into it 100% until you start to become aware of how much it plays in, right? So there's a certain amount of, of life that we are operating on those belief systems that we're taught by our family, by our schools, by our, you know, community, by our countries, cultures. Um, and then you get to a certain point in life where you get to see that huh, there may be other ways of doing things or other ways of looking at things. And I think that was, um, for me, traveling abroad and being able to live in different cultures. I spent a semester over in Nepal. I spent a summer in France when I was younger um, with, you know, living with families and really getting to learn the local culture. And both those times they were, it was a mind expanding experience because you could see that uh, the way that you thought the world was like this concrete world actually wasn't concrete at all. And it was really porous and really subject to all kinds of different 
um, interpretations. So what was polite in one culture wasn't polite in another culture. You know, to to um, burp after a meal in Nepal was a compliment to the chef, whereas obviously here in America, we don't view that as a really a, a polite thing to do. So just those little things let you start to realize your reality is really shaped by the belief system that you're buying into and that you have some choices around that. So you may decide that culturally, I remember I was a young woman, culturally, it was acceptable for women to shave their legs in America, but not in France. And so when I came back, I'm like, I'm not going to shave my legs because it's not important. And then as I spent more and more time in America and got all the pushback, say, from my sister, right, who was like, are you sure you want to do that? Um, I realized, you know, when I traveled abroad, I liked to um, try to match the local customs as much as possible to fit in and be um, culturally appropriate and polite. And so now I was back in America and I didn't have to shave my legs, but I could choose to shave my legs to fit in the cultural norm. And then I, I did make that choice and continue to do so. But, but you know, the idea that it's not just a given, it's not concrete, the idea that we all um, get some that choice while we choose what's important to us and what's not important to us. And that gives people a lot of freedom once you can start to realize that that all that programming you got growing up is got its positives and its negatives and you get to then discern for yourself whether you want to keep them or adopt something new I, I like that and I don't think it's necessarily bad to uh, let go of some of some of those things that seemed negative at the time I mean when I reflect back on my upbringing when I was in it, it felt very negative. Now I look back on it and I go, wow, like my parents taught me so much about how to live simplicity, you know, simply and how to um, really, you know, just experience nature for all that it is. We didn't have television. We didn't have power at the time. It felt like I was the one kid that didn't get that kind of perspective on things, you know, like I didn't get to um, just be normal or whatever. But now in hindsight, it was like, wow, all those skills that it taught me, I don't turn on my TV and, you know, at all. Right. So for me, it's like, I have one now, but do I watch it? No, I'd much rather be out tinkering in my garden. Um, you know, picking weeds in my flower garden or doing whatever. I, it's just the last thought that I have. And how well has that played out for me now as an adult? to have had that life skill, which at the time felt really annoying, you know? I do know exactly, because actually we, we had a TV, but we weren't permitted to watch, but only certain things, <laughs> news and movies. And so when all our friends were talking about whatever show, think back, I'm old enough, it was like, who shot JR on Dallas or something like that. I like, had no idea what was going on. <laughs> I felt very left out of the loop. So, um, you know, I do I do appreciate all, all the reading that I did as a result of not being uh, able to access TV. So I read books like a maniac growing up and continue to do so today. So, um, yeah. Yes, I agree. There's gifts you can get from your programming. But the nice thing is to be able to see that they're gifts and not just the natural way of being in the world. And so I think to the point is that that's kind of what positive psychology is about. It's about taking a moment in the throes of negativity or in the throes of uncomfortability to say, hey, this is a potential positive outcome for my future. You know, like it feels this bad. It feels this heavy. It feels this sad. It feels this whatever. But there are going to be things that I'm going to reflect back on and see as positive or hopeful or, you know, good for my life and things like that. 
Right. Having that spin of positivity is actually is a big pillar of positive psychology and the ability to, um, you know, really be able to imagine the best as well as imagine the worst case scenario and have that gratitude for the things that you, you know, do value in your life, you know, for your, for your ability to spend some time in your garden and your ability to, you know, live in nature in the way you want to, right? That there's always that aspect of gratitude that comes in and can really, um, shove out any negative emotions. Once you try to, the experiment to do is, Try to hold a negative emotion in your body at the same time that you experience gratitude about something. And the answer is you can't. There's no way to simultaneously have a negative emotion and actually feel grateful at the same time. So it's a really powerful way to shift your internal environment when you actually lean into the feeling of being grateful. Absolutely. Um so the the really cool thing about this kind of what you're describing is that I think that we don't have to um, we don't have to ignore the negative feelings either. Like we can feel them and be angry and be upset and all of that. You know what I mean? Like, I think a lot of times we feel like, oh, we have to just push through them and, and just tell ourselves everything's going to be fine. But I think there's something about balance in actually sitting with the uncomfortability, too. Like saying, what, what is this experience that I'm having? And I think there's a lot of answers in that, in that kind of pause and reflection. Absolutely. And I also, I love to think of it um, as the process of digestion. If you think about it, right? It's like you need to take the time and space to really let your whole system kind of, if you think of what happens in digestion, all the enzymes come in and break down the food so it, it gives you nutrition. So negative emotions, if you take the time to sit with them, it lets your body actually take the time to kind of process them and digest them and absorb the good lessons that you want from them and then eliminate the stuff you don't want, right? So it's, um, you know, and, and that's, that's a great process to let yourself go through. And if you ignore them, like you said, um, that can actually build up a lot of internal pressure that then can cause you all kinds of ailments, um, you know, from, from mental conditions that aren't so great to physical conditions that aren't so great. So I think one of the things that we have done as a as kind of a society is that we've given up the idea that things are working for our greater good and having, um, for lack of better term, faith in the, the idea that everything is divine in some way. And so we instead get caught up in these narratives that like these things are being done to me, um, like out of spite or out of, you know, negativity. But really, I don't I don't ever think that's the case. I think that Things are actually actually conspiring for us, not against us. And one example that I have is a, I have a good friend who um, she's had a life goal for a long time to to move to this uh, faraway place. And uh, she it's becoming a, po- a potential for her by as soon as next March. And she'll often be on the phone with me saying, you know, this guy, he's not returning my calls. And this guy, he's ghosting me. And I'm like, well, what is what is it that you're putting out there? Because you say you want this relationship, but then you say, but I'm moving in a few months. I'm, I'm starting my new life, so I can't have that. Those two things are not aligning within your own self. So do you want a guy who's available and to settle down and have a relationship or do you want to move in nine months? Because my guess is you're telling the universe, I'm not looking for anything serious. I'm moving in nine months. That's my life goal. That's my priority. Therefore, you are attracting 
guys who aren't interested in any kind of, you know, serious romantic relationship. I don't know. What are your thoughts? Yeah, no, I, I love the idea of the thinking that the universe is conspiring for you um, and then getting your desires in alignment with what you really want, being clear on that, and then looking for evidence that, that the universe will provide, right? Because if, we, if we're not um, looking and expecting that the good things will happen, we might miss the clues that they will happen. And so it really kind of helps us um, kind of create that self-fulfilling prophecy in the positive direction because once you start having some faith that things will work out in the directions that you hope for and start looking for the little bits of evidence along the way that that may actually be happening um you know they can lead you step by step down the path towards what you're hoping for um whereas if you're constantly concerned that the universe won't provide so you're in that scarcity mindset then you're looking for evidence of scarcity and you'll find it everywhere right and and then that might lead you in the wrong down the wrong little pathway so keeping keeping that your heart open to the idea that things may very well happen exactly how you want them to um can really keep your eyes open and and find that right path that's the next step as opposed to going backwards Exactly. Exactly. And so I think that often we like to look externally and say that they're doing this or this is happening rather than kind of looking at our own lives and looking at the ways in which we might be creating exactly what it is that we think we want. I, (laughs) I think the universe always delivers what we need. I really do believe that. Right, right. Delivers what we need, right? So what might not be what we want, <laughs> right, what we like. Or not. No, absolutely. I I remembered, you know, all the the difficulty I had with my children when they were young. I never in a million years would have wished for, and in retrospect, it in immeasurably improved my life, not because I became a mother and I have these two wonderful kids, but because it changed me at a cellular level. Um, the hardship of of just you know both of them each having these life-threatening things that almost killed them, you know, and, and it happened um, right after 9-11 had happened is when I had my son. And so just the whole existential crisis of what's the purpose, what's our meaning in the world um, that it threw me into was terrible at the time and has turned out to be this fabulous transformative experience that I now can share with other people what I learned, right? You know, the wisdom I gained from my hardship, I can share with other people and sometimes it helps them avoid hardship, right? And so it's the idea of paying it forward and and that we can all lift each other up, but that the actual genesis of all that was some pretty crappy times that were really hard. <laughs> right, right. And and how nice, like, I like what you said about then I can maybe help other people avoid that through my experience. And that's just like the connectivity piece of things. You know, I often think as a counselor, oh, wow, this one thing that I experienced, I experienced to either better prepare me for an upcoming client or uh, so that I could hold space for someone who's experienced this for sure. Um, Especially like I think I had a back injury at some point that... um, like brought me to my knees, basically slowed me to a halt. And um, I remember thinking when it happened, now I'll be able to connect and relate to clients that are describing these kinds of, uh, you know, physical pain experiences a lot better. Because up until that point, 
you know, I'd never even broken a toe or anything, like just didn't have that perspective at all to be able to show up in that way, you know? Absolutely. Yeah. I think as therapists, we have that blessing that anything that we survive uh, and we gain wisdom from, uh, we can then share. And it's, it's, uh, simultaneously a shame that we have to go through some of these hard things to be able to be so empathic, but it just is the way we work as humans. So it's nice that our little struggles can really benefit other people along the way too. And so in what ways are you able to, uh, um, encourage people to find some positivity during what a lot of people describe as such a negative time. Yeah. Well, I, I like to talk about um, the skill of resilience and the idea that resilience is not a noun. It really is a verb. And it's um, one of those things that actually requires us to do a little work to, to exercise our resilience skills. Right. So, so we can't just sit back, uh, on our couch or hide in our home and just say, if I just duck my head under, I'm going to survive this pandemic, right? We actually have to do a, some affirmative things that sometimes feels feel hard, like get out of the house, you know, go for your walk, uh, make sure you're eating, make sure you're sleeping, make sure you're connecting with people, even though it's different and harder that you may have to do Zoom rather than in person, you know, making sure you're getting your exercise, even if your gym shut down, right? The All those little things that really help um, make your body healthy and then also give you that human connection that keeps you feeling like you're you're re- really supported by the rest of humanity. Um, all those things require you to actually do the things, right? Take the action, make the time. And so that's why uh, I like to just remember resilience of verb. You have to do the things. <laughs> and so that can keep you out of, you know, sinking further into an actual depression. Um, and I do know quite a few people, including uh, many of my clients who are actually have thrived during this time uh, because it's created some space for them to do some of the things that they otherwise didn't have time for. Um, so they are proactively using that extra time to really move into these areas of life that they may not have had ever space for before. So there's um, that upside of the pandemic. You know, it feels like each person may have had some challenges, but also maybe some opportunities that have come from all of this. Um, I I think that that's absolutely awesome. I, I also think that there have been a lot more of these kind of silver linings than um, I think a lot of people would have expected initially, you know, and I think that that's kind of a way to a good way to look at it is like, this has just been a really great opportunity for so many people to hit the reset button, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, especially uh, the introverts, I think, um, you know, uh, speaking as one, you know, there's there's a lot of uh, introverts out there that finally had the excuse they needed to not go to the party or the, the cocktail hour or whatever the event. I think the extroverts have had a little harder time of it because they haven't been, you know, in certain depending where you are in the country. Right. And how, how much you've been shut down um, in Vermont, where I'm located, we we were very shut down at different times. And so it got hard for people who, you know, really like to see their people and spend time with them in person. Um, And 
just like you said, there's been upside. All the, you know, the the poor mothers uh, who of of school age children who have had to try to do their full time job from home at the same time that they're remote schooling their kids. Boy, they all deserve gold medal. And there's a lot of mothers out there who are valuing and fathers too, I'm sure, who are like, this is great. I've been able to spend more time with my kids than I ever dreamed I'd be able to. Right. So it's really just which spin are you going to put on it? Um, and can you see, you know, both sides, the good side and the, the challenging side? And so it's um, it's been a really a good time to reflect, just like you said. Well, how can people get a hold of you if they're interested in some of this positivity life coaching? Well, so um, I run a Facebook group um, called Becoming Boundless. So if you uh, the URL is you becoming boundless. Um, in the Facebook group. Um, so you could do a search for, for me there. Uh, and I am on LinkedIn and I'm on Facebook. Um, but I um, also run free workshops from time to time. And so the best way to contact me and get on my mailing list would be just directly email me at it's Kirsten at apropositive.com because I have a company called Apropositive. In other words, you know, Apropositive. And, um, and so I get all those emails myself and I can make sure that you get notice of the next training. I'm actually doing a purpose workshop tonight where it's called Joy Unleashed, Finding Your Purpose Through Passion. Um, so, we're, you know, we're just going to do a hands-on Zoom 90-minute workshop um, and try to really uh, narrow down what people's real um, purpose could look like in light of all of their uh, skills and experience and passions. Uh, so um, it, I do fun things like that from time to time. And then I run some mindset workshops also for free, but I do that through the Facebook group. So that would be a good place to find me. So, such great uh, resources and information and tangible tools and tips for people. Don't miss out. Check out her website, apropositive.com. And we will also include that in the show notes, of course. Thank you so much for coming on today and talking things happy and positive and joyful and uplifting. Thank you for having me. It was a pleasure. All right. We'll talk soon. Thank you. This has been a BU Find Happy podcast. For more inspiration, check out the links.